It's Edmonton's podcast on the Canada's Podcast Network. Hello, this is Mario Taniguzzi coming to you today with Edmonton's podcast, a member of Canada's Podcast Network, where we talk to the entrepreneurs who are making it happen here in the city of Edmonton, Alberta. Christian Mena is a well-known restaurateur and former lead singer of 90s Latin pop funk band Maracuja. He also starred on Broadway touring as Roger in Rent alongside Neil Patrick Harris. He's a partner in Sabor, Bodega Tapas and Wine Bars, and Urbano Pizza. Welcome to the show, Christian, and thanks for taking the time today to be here with our listeners. Thanks, Mario. Thanks for having me. First of all, tell me just a little bit about yourself, where you're from, and uh, what your business is all about. I'm of Chilean ancestry. I was born in Santiago de Chile. I uh, immigrated to Canada in 1974, I arrived, by way of Argentina. Um, So I lived in Buenos Aires for a year, and then we came to Edmonton in 1974. I remember that specifically because I was four years old, and I arrived in November, November 13th. And I walked off the plane tarmac in a little pair of shorts and a t-shirt. It was freezing. That's <laughs> embedded in my mind. Uh, we own a few restaurants, uh, the Bodega series. There are three of those, and they're uh, tapas restaurants, uh, focusing on traditional Spanish tapas uh, with a bit of a Portuguese influence. Uh, and we own Sabor, which is primarily a seafood restaurant. Uh, all the restaurants were actually a product of uh, mine and Lino's, I don't want to say imagination, but uh, kind of foresight. We went backpacking through Europe when we were 20 years old, and we always wanted to have a European-style restaurant in Edmonton. We thought it would be fun to do that, and uh, it worked out for us. Lino is Lino Oliveira, who's the chef at all the restaurants, or the executive chef, and he's been my best friend since we were eight, and uh, he's my business partner. Did you need financing to start? The financing we had to start was a lot of, of our families. Uh, so Lino's brother-in-law put in some money. My parents and my sister put in some money. I put my house on the line, and then I had some savings, and he had a little bit of savings, and we managed to work it out. How's the restaurant business been uh, up in Edmonton these days, considering, obviously, the economy that uh, we've gone through uh, tough times here in the province in the last couple of years? You know, it's an interesting scenario because um, for us, and, I, and again, I speak only for us. Sabor, let's talk about Sabor first and foremost. Uh, we have just gone on our 10th year, and people call this the best kept secret in Edmonton for the first four or five years. And, you know, typically we were one of those overnight successes that took a decade to happen, sort of thing. So for the last two or three years for us, we've, it's kind of become critical mass in the sense that we are, we've become very popular. People know who we are and the type of cuisine that we serve you know, seafood and Spanish and Portuguese style cuisine has become also very popular at the same time. So for us, we've been very lucky in the last little while that, that uh, things are going, things are going quite well. That being said, of course, you know, inflation, uh, the changes in, in government policy, all that sort of thing play into, play into, um, into your margins. But by the same token, you know, I'm not one that likes to complain. I, I just like to move forward. What is your long-term vision for, for your company uh, and, and growth plans? You know what? I think we are focusing right now primarily on the bodegas, which is the, top, which is the tapas bar portion of our, of our restaurant group. Sabor is really 
kind of this uh, juggernaut in the sense that it started off as 80 seats and can now hold 250. So you can imagine we've just expanded, expanded on it. It's just become bigger due to demand. But Bodega is um, Bodega, which is the tapas bar, really is the model that we have been able to replicate. Uh, we've done it three times. We're in the process of starting a fourth right now. And I think that is the direction that we're going to focus on in the future. Definitely. It's our model is working very, very well for it. When you look at doing a business in Edmonton, what are some of the advantages and disadvantages of, uh, of being an entrepreneur in Edmonton? Well, I think the advantages are that people here love to eat. And I mean that in the best way possible. I, I think that, you know, Alberta in general is regardless of of lots of things, there's still tons of opportunity here. I mean, it really is a, a fantastic province. And the people of Alberta, in my experience, what, regardless of what part of Alberta you're in, are just giving, loving people. Um, so that's always an advantage. You know, if you have what people want, they will embrace you. If you treat them correctly and treat them with respect and give them value, they will embrace you. The disadvantages are, you know, there is no real disadvantage, right? It, it, up to now, I think right now, we're in a bit of an economic downturn. It's, it's, it's funny to me because we started at, in an economic downturn. Like we were supposed to, Sabor was supposed to open in 2008 during this booming economy and it opened at the end of 2008 uh, during the beginning of the recession. So for us, for us, it's kind of a little bit cyclical in that sense. We do some of our best work outside the office. For yourself personally, is there a place in Edmonton you like to go or near where you either live or work? Someplace where you'd like to recharge, get inspired, think about your business? I know it's funny to say this, but for me, when I try to recharge, I, I, I like to play soccer. I'm a huge soccer fan, so I play oh, soccer. Cool. I try to play at least once a week, even if it's for an hour. And I try to include my daughter, who's my oldest daughter, who also loves to play the sport. So that's been very fun. I used to be a musician, so I try to sit myself in front of my piano or in front of uh, something and just play or listen or try to write some music. And then during summer, I like to go to the park. Even if it's for 15, 20 minutes a day, I like to sit with my back up against the tree. And that sounds cliche, but it really is something that, that helps you along. I think it's funny because people always say, oh, how can you live in Alberta? There's so much winter. And I said, Alberta is such a great place. If we didn't have the, this winter, everyone would live here. That's mm -hmm. why it's a certain type of person that can live here, right? But that's, that, those are some of the things that I do. Hypothetical question for you. Imagine you were to start all over again and you just moved to Edmonton, uh, but you don't know anybody. What would you do knowing what you do know now in terms of starting a new business? When we started, I had never been in business before. Um, I had been primarily a musician and an actor. Lino had owned a restaurant on the a few restaurants on the coast in Portugal, and I, I had a small investment in those restaurants. We had both worked in the restaurant industry in some format or other from the time we were fifteen. You know, I was an actor and a singer. What actor singer doesn't work in a restaurant, right? It's kind of like they go hand in hand. And Lino had worked. Uh, started off as front of the house and eventually moved to the kitchen. Um, so we had some experience, but not a lot. Honestly, and this is speaking 100% honestly, if I knew then what I know now, I would have gone into some form of program like a business administration program or something like that just to get more of an education. It doesn't mean that you can't do it if you don't have that, but I think it makes things easier to be quite honest with you. What's the first hour of your day look like uh, when you get up in the morning? Do you have a specific ritual routine or 
I wake up first thing in the morning. The first thing I do is reach over for my phone. The first thing I do is check our bank accounts. The next thing I do is check our uh, online reviews. And the next thing I do is check out, uh, I'm a huge Real Madrid fan. So I check out all the news articles according to Real Madrid, which is soccer. Uh, then I get up, have a cup of coffee, and I try to do some weight training for at least half hour. And then I drive my kids to school. That's my morning. Do you think entrepreneurs have to be um, weird or unique, but in a positive way, or just wired differently? That's an interesting question, because I, I want to say that I think if you're an entrepreneur, I think the primary thing at the very, at very least at the beginning is you have to be a risk taker. It's great to be pragmatic and be able to weigh things out. But I think that when you're an entrepreneur, you have to be willing to take some risks and also have some self-belief that you can kind of push through everything. Because there are going to be times that are going to be ridiculously hard, times where you're going to doubt yourself. I mean, that's everyone, but I think as an entrepreneur, and, and I find that when I look at my life before getting into business and now being in business, I think the one uh, constant in both those is the idea of taking risks. Because, I mean, really, when you're an actor and a singer, you're kind of putting it all out there. And when you're mm -hmm. an entrepreneur, you're doing the same thing, right? What, um, is there any um, book that you're reading right now? I can't remember the title, but it's, uh, it's a book about leadership. I'm, I'm reading it because it's something that I think that, you know, when you have a X amount of employees, you always try to, <laughs> you always try to improve that portion of your, of yourself because I'm a 49 year old man who was brought up in one of the worst neighborhoods in Edmonton. Uh, I think it's taught me a lot about how to relate to people and how to um, get along with pretty much anyone in any situation. But I think our climate has changed specifically in the last 15 to 20 years. So lots of things that seemed normal to me back then, the way that you addressed or were addressed, all that has changed. It's a, it's a totally different rule book and you, you really need mm -hmm. to understand the landscape that you're dealing with. So mm -hmm. I, I, in that, from that point of view, the point of view of leadership and trying to inspire employees to do things, employees do things for a lot of different reasons now than they did when I was young and when I was their age. So I, I need to be able to understand that. So I'm trying to constantly observe, trying to constantly read articles. You know, I, I don't want to quote the millennial thing, but they really do speak a different language than I do. So I, I try to stay on top of that. Obviously, uh, being in, in, in the restaurant business, being an entrepreneur is very busy life. Uh, how do you balance uh, your, your work with your personal life? <laughs> That's a good question because I don't know if I do. <laughs> That's probably a question you should ask someone else. <laughs> I think primarily, first and foremost, I'm extremely lucky in the sense that my that although I have children, my business partner does not have children. So he's the executive chef for all the restaurants and um, he loves to be at the restaurant and loves to be working in the restaurant. So that affords me uh, at the very least my evenings, uh, Monday through Thursday or Sunday through Thursday where I don't have to be on call. I don't have to, I mean, of course I handle emergencies. I put out fires when necessary. It's, you know, that's just part of being an entrepreneur at the, at the end of the day, you're the person responsible, at least in this industry. Right. So there's lots of things, and this is probably a shortcoming of mine that only I can do to be quite honest with you. Sometimes it's just easier to do it than to teach someone else how to do it. Mm -hmm. uh, so, uh, so I, I, over the years, I would say for the first three or four years that we were in business, I didn't have a balance at all. Um, and it's funny because my, I think my, my personal life was suffering and my, again, my partner who's been my best friend since we were eight, 
um, sat down and said, you need to fix this for yourself because it's affecting everything and you need, you need to have this balance. He goes, I understand I'm cooking, I'm doing all these artistic things because he's an artist. And so it's satisfying his soul, but you know, to some degree it wasn't satisfying mine. And, and luckily a bit of success and, and lots of, of great staff has afforded me the ability to kind of do what I want to do. If you look at, at different professions out there, uh, if you weren't doing what you're doing now, both on the musical side and, and say on um, uh, the entrepreneurial side as being a restaurant owner, is there a profession that uh, you would like to do? It does kind of fall in between. I, I would say that if I could do anything, I would be a, a sportscaster. Yeah, cool. Doing soccer games, no doubt. Soccer games, yeah, yeah. I do it all the time anyway. <laughs> the World, <laughs> Cup, the World Cup, right? Yeah, yeah. Now, honestly, my dream, and I tell people this all the time, my dream is to retire in Madrid and just have season tickets to the game. And I would be the happiest guy in the world. <laughs> <laughs> is there any job you would not want to do at all? I don't think I would like to be one of those guys that cleans your snow in minus 30 weather. That really <laughs> is not appealing at all. <laughs> when, you, when you look at business, is there a favorite word, sentence, phrase that you like to use? I always say the same thing. Take responsibility. Take responsibility. That's, I probably say it five, days, uh, five times a day, whether I'm saying it to employees, I'm saying it to myself. I say it to my kids. Take responsibility. You need to take responsibility. Hmm. Why is that so important? To you. Because at the end of the day, if you leave things in somebody else's hands, and which isn't to say that you can't, um, you can't delegate, because I believe delegate, delegating is part of taking responsibility, but take the opportunity to, 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 to be in charge of it. Whether from the simplest thing, you see a table that's wobbly, take responsibility for the fact that the table is wobbly. Go and fix the table. Don't just leave it. I think... You know, it's an interesting thing now that I think back to that question that you said to me about what is it, how is it that entrepreneurs are wired differently? I think entrepreneurs are wired to take responsibility. I think if you were on a desert island with somebody that has an entrepreneurial spirit, in some form or other, that person's going to take charge because it's just who they are. It doesn't mean that you have to be uh, uh, this great leader or a great boss, but you are going to take responsibility at some point because you... You don't want to leave your fate up to someone else. You know, when we're talking about uh, words and phrases, is there a phrase that you don't like or a word that you don't like? I hate the phrase, that's what they want. So if I hear my staff or someone use the term they, so for example, there's a problem and they say, oh no, that's the way they want it or that's the way they it infuriates me because it's not a they, it's a we, it's a we. We are a team, we are a family. Now, I used to work at Shaw Cable when I was younger. That organization taught me that, we, because they used to be, people used to lose their minds if they heard the term they. We were, I was a customer service rep at Shaw and the first thing they said is never blame the company. Never blame the company because it's an easy way out mm -hmm. and it also, again, doesn't take accountability or responsibility, right? So that. I, I tell people that all the time. It is, it is a huge trigger for me. Huge. If you had to pick um, one or two words to describe yourself, what would they be and why? I think one of the words that I would use is adaptable. I think that I'm very adaptable. I think I can adapt to pretty much any situation and have. The fact that I started out as a singer and an actor and I'm now in business, which really 
you talk about the idea of being wired differently. Those are two areas that are totally wired differently. <laughs> and I think I've done okay. Uh, I would say adaptable. And <laughs> I really wasn't kidding about tired. I'm tired a lot. <laughs> is it, speaking of being tired, is there anything that keeps you up at night? We've managed to grow our business to a certain degree. And I think the idea that what keeps me up at night and I think about this all the time is just the responsibility of, you know, for lack of a better term, employing all these people that can sometimes weigh on you a little bit. You know, you look at the numbers, you look at stuff, you're trying to keep margins at a certain percentage and you're, and you're wondering, how do I, how do I do that? And then you have to start making some hard decisions or you choose not to make the decisions and take the loss. That kind of stuff really can affect me. Now, these days, a lot of people have quote unquote bucket lists. What's sort of the, say, the top couple of things on your bucket list? You know what? I've been so, I, I really don't think about that much because I've been, I've been so incredibly lucky in my life. I, I can kind of, when I want to do something, I usually do it. That, which isn't to say, you know, like I haven't gone skydiving, which is obviously on my bucket list. Honestly, right now, I'm, I'm okay. I think I'm okay. There's nothing that screams out at me. Over the years since you've been a, an entrepreneur, I'm sure you've gotten a lot of advice and uh, from different people. What are some of the key pieces of advice that you receive that you can pass on to entrepreneurs or aspiring entrepreneurs? I have. I got one piece of advice from a friend of mine who who owns a couple of companies, and she said to me, "Try not to make decisions based in fear." Because decisions based in fear are usually irrational decisions and aren't always the best. Mm -hmm. So, for example, things are going down, whatever, blah, blah, blah. This idea that you're going to start cutting, cutting, cutting under the assumption that you're going to save money when really you might be shooting yourself in the foot, right? If you start using different products, you start using different things. I think that's a really, really good piece of advice. Try not to make decisions based in fear because they're irrational decisions, right? I'm going to give you a, a, a different uh, question here. Um, imagine this. There's a small tropical island just off of Fiji that only has one phone booth there with no internet. We're going to drop you off there, and you won't have a computer or smartphone, tablet, any sort of device. You can use the phone booth located there anytime to call the boat, and we'll come pick you up. Now, how long would you last before you made that phone call, and what do you think you'd do there uh, while you were there? Right now, I'd probably last at least anywhere from three days to a week. Uh, oh, you know what? I say that, but I don't know. The things that would drive me nuts are just not knowing the, the state of everything. My children, my wife, my businesses, that would drive me nuts. I think the, if I knew that everything was okay and I could be on that tropical island, I, could, I think I could last quite a while. But without that, uh, I don't think I could last more than a day to be honest with you. And I'd really be pushing it. It might be less. Is there anything, uh, Christian, that uh, I didn't ask you about that you wanted to um, mention before we leave today? No, I think that, uh, I think you got, you got some pretty good uh, questions in there. I think we covered a lot of bases. It was good. <laughs> and if our, any of our listeners wanted to get a hold of you, how could they do that? Uh, they could just call the restaurants, any one of the restaurants, or go onto the websites and just send an email. It's always good. Okay, thanks, Christian, for being our guest on Edmonton's podcast. I've learned a lot about you and your business, and I'm sure our listeners have as well. Thanks a lot. Thank you so much for having me, Mario. Thanks for taking the time today to listen to Edmonton's podcast on Canada's podcast network. 
We hope you enjoyed the show today. Make sure you sign up for our newsletters and write a review for us on iTunes. And then connect with us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn at Canada's Podcast. You can also check out what other entrepreneurs are doing across the country. See you next time.